Hello and welcome to the creepy side of NEPA, WNEP-TV's newest online podcast. My name is Dan Kozlowski and I will be your host. Before we get into our first episode, I'd just like to take a moment to introduce you myself. My name is Dan Kozlowski. I've been working here at WNEP-TV a little over seven years now. I am one of the guys who works behind the camera and behind the scenes working in the control room as one of the nighttime newscast directors. Personally, I would say Halloween has always been my favorite holiday. I have always been intrigued by local ghost stories, creepy facts in themselves. I am that guy who decorates more for Halloween than they do for Christmas. You could ask any of my coworkers here at the station. January 1st, I am the first one to put in for Halloween as a vacation day. Shortly after WNEP started these online podcasts, I came up with the idea of the show. I came up with an idea of letting viewers sort of share their creepy stories, share their ghost stories and personal experiences. After thinking about this idea for a few weeks, I went to the management team here at WNEP. And ever since approval, it's kind of been a group project here at WNEP TV to get this podcast started. I'd like to thank our production, our news, our engineering, web, and local creative services department on giving me a hand on getting this podcast finally started. Enough about me, enough about the backstory. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the creepy side of deep. Jail cell of a time gone by to haunted halls and ghostly cries. Come one, come all, come finders and seekers. Come hear the creepy side of Nepa. On this first episode of The Creepy Side of Nipah, we're going to go to Jim Thorpe, visit two locations who has their fair share of creepy ghost stories. Joining us on the show by phone is Blaine, manager and tour guide at the Old Jail Museum, located in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Blaine. Thanks for having me. So, Blaine, you are the tour guide at the jail. Is the jail still currently being used? It is not an active jail anymore. It's been a museum for about 22 years now. 22 years, so basically it's a tourist attraction right now. Right now it is, yes. Can you touch a little bit maybe on the history of the of the property? Yeah, yeah sure. It was built in 1871. And it was an active jail up until 1995. The warden and his family actually lived in the building until 1971. In the cell block, there's 28 cells, and the dungeon, there's 16 cells. What was the dungeon really being used for? The dungeon was pretty much the jail's jail, so if you did something wrong upstairs, you'd be sent down there. It wasn't for uh, an extended amount of time, but if you're just sent down there to learn a lesson. So that's basically like solitary confinement would be today? Yep. Pretty much solitary confinement, yep. And I, and I guess the question everyone would be asking is about jail cell 17? Yes, yeah, cell number 17. It has a handprint by Thomas Fisher. Before he was hanged, he took his hand, rubbed it in the... 34, slapped it on the wall, and he said, this handprint shall remain here for eternity to shame the county who hung an innocent man. So uh, they, the guards really thought nothing of it until they went in and cleaned out a cell, but the next day it came back. So again, they went to wash it off, but it came back, and they washed it off, painted it over it, plastered over it, and even dug out that section of the wall, but it still came back. So they actually built a new wall there, and it came onto the new wall? Yes. Wow. So what was what was he actually convicted of? He was convicted of murder. Back when the Irish came over to America, they were working in the coal mines, and they kept getting pay cut after pay cut, and eventually they got sick of it. So 
a bunch of them started to turn to violence. They started murdering other bosses and other miners. And eventually the boss started fearing for his own life. So he went to a detective agency and hired a spy for two years. The spy's job was to go into the mines, become friends with these men, learn their secrets, and then come up and rat them all out. So Thomas Fisher's name was on the list. So he was put on a trial, accused of murder. Now, when I say the word trial, I want to use it very loosely because on the jury, there's no Irish, no women, no Catholic, no coal miners. And all the men on the trial were sentenced to be hanged. There was 20 of them. So all 20 were hung? Yes, all 20 were hung. Seven of them were in, in the old jail museum. So he was just one of seven being hung there? Yes. So do you have any personal experiences happen in the jail? Some, anything creep involving the handprint? Uh, nothing involving the handprint, but recently this year, actually, I was the last one in the building. I was making sure all the lights were off. So I went in to the cell block, peeked my head in, made sure there was no one else in there with me. And I saw, it looked like a woman in a black dress start to walk down into the dungeon. So I said, ma'am, you can't go down there. Uh, we're closed for the day. You have to leave. But she didn't answer. She just kept walking into the dungeon. So I did hesitantly uh, walk into the dungeon after her. I searched every cell in the dungeon, and there was not one person. So I don't know who that was messing with me that day, but it happened recently. Was there any female inmates in the jail? Or is it only no, a male there was, jail? There was female inmates in the jail. There was there's three cells upstairs. Uh, there'd be two women per cell, but that was not added on until later. The one story of the only female ghost story I know of is before a couple of the men were hanged, a transcript uh, arrived down to the train station uh, about five blocks away from the jail. So the person who received the transcript was sprinting up the street to get to the jail. When he got there, the wife of the one, one of the men who was being hanged was banging on the door, and they both started banging on the door together. They just continued with the hanging, not bothering with the people outside the door. And they, when they opened up the doors after they were hanged, the woman went, ran in saying, I'm too late, I'm too late. So that's the only ghost story I know. And then last year during our ghost tours, a woman actually had a sighting of what we call the woman in white, the woman who ran in saying, I'm too late, I'm too late. So the woman in white, and then that was different from the woman that you said you saw? Yours was in black? Uh, yes, but the thing is that it's the same dress that the woman described to me that they saw. So I don't know if it was just because it was dark or it was white. I'm not exactly sure, but I know for a fact I saw a woman walking down into the dungeon after it was closed. And were both of these sightings in the same part of the building? One was in the cell block and one was up in the warden's living quarters, so no. So today, do you give tours at the jail regularly? Yes, right now we are only open weekends in September, September and October. Uh, but next year we'll open up for Memorial Day, and since Memorial Day we're open every day except Wednesday, 12 o'clock till 4.30. In October, on the first four Saturdays of the month, we have tour ghost tours on the 5th, the 12th, the 16th, and the 26th. On the 26th, all benefits go towards the Jim Thorpe Fire Department. Now I do have to ask you, what would separate the regular tours from the ghost tours? Now on the regular tours, as all history, don't get any ghost tours. But in the ghost story, you will get very little history and all ghost tours. And is the handprint part of one of the stops on the tour? Yes, it is one of the stops. You'll hear the story about the Molly McGuire's, the group he was from, and then you'll eventually hear his story, and then you can go look at the handprint. The only thing we ask is that you don't please not take pictures of it. It is copyrighted by the building.
Is there any other creepy experiences you would like to share with the creepy side? Um, so the one day, it was the last tour of the day, the 4.30 tour as we call it. I was in the dungeon or solitary confinement with a group of two people. It was a couple. We walked in one of the cells. I was explaining the cells. And the door right next to us, it was, you can kind of tell when an old door is shutting and closing, you hear the, eh, eh. so we thought, huh, that's pretty strange. As we were walking back upstairs, we heard that door slam shut. And we know there was no one else down there with us. And all I can say to that is that I did not turn the lights off that day. <laughs> you left the lights on and got, probably got out of the building pretty quick, huh? Yeah, after those people left, I was, I was out of the building. Okay, so if anyone was interested in coming on one of the tours, where would they get in for more information? Uh, you can look us up at theoldjailmuseum.com or call us at 570-325-5259. If we don't answer, we'll get back to you. Okay, thank you very much for joining us, Blaine. Yep, thank you. The next stop is just a short walk from the old jail in Jim Thorpe to the Jim Thorpe Inn, a hotel that has its fair share of creepy history. Joining us on the phone is Dave Drury, general manager and partner at the Inn and Jim Thorpe. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So I know I heard a lot of creepy stories about your hotel, but before we get into the creepy stuff, maybe just give us a little bit of the backstory, a little of the history of the building and the property. Uh, sure. Um, well, as you probably know, um, uh, Jim Thorpe is a very historic town. And uh, this is one of the big properties um, that was originally built um, late 1840s and uh, originally was called the White Swan Hotel. It burned to the ground, and that was a wood structure. And then it was um, actually built on the foundation of the White Swan Hotel, and uh, they did it in brick, and they called it the New American Hotel. And the historic district of which the Indigent Thorpe is a part is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Um, so there's been numerous famous people over the years that have stayed here, including General Ulysses S. Grant, uh, Thomas Edison, John D. Rockefeller, Buffalo Bill. Plus, over the past 10, 15 years, um, artists that play at Penn's Peak um, as well as the Mock Chunk Opera House. Um, and we have like a whole wall of fame here, which is pretty cool. Uh, we purchased the building, actually my dad did, back in 1988, and we uh, underwent a pretty extensive extensive uh, renovation project, uh, pretty much had to replace almost everything uh, inside the structure. When your family took over, was it sort of run down? It was very run down. It wasn't really operating at all. It was kind of like a flop house with a couple of rooms. Uh, there had been a restaurant. Um, things had changed a few times within the building as far as where the lobby was, where the restaurant was, and so forth. And um, we did our best to keep um, the historic nature of the building, but we had to, uh, of course, comply with all building codes and so forth right so uh so we opened in 1990 with uh 22 rooms and then over the course of the next uh about 14 years we opened the rest of the hotel currently we have 43 rooms on four floors with an elevator a restaurant and a pub so there's been a lot of 
lot of uh, work done, and it's kind of seemed to have conjured up spirits. Um, and we've had some really strange experiences, uh, our staff, um, myself included, as well as guests who will get back to us. They'll come down in the morning to the front desk and say, is this place haunted? Because this is what happened to us. So this happens here and there. And it's it's pretty wild. It's pretty of, interesting. Of course, a building that much in the history, you'd think a few things might have happened there at the property over time or something like that that would cause these hauntings, these weird, creepy stories? Yeah. Um, well, there, we actually had a parapsychologist uh, visit us some years ago, um, and we wanted to get her take on the uh, on the paranormal activity within the building. And uh, somehow she, you know, she was walking around, and she came up with this stuff that was pretty wild. She said that a woman and a man uh, they tried to rendezvous at the American Hotel, uh, which is what the former name was. Was um, that the name before your family took over? Yes. Okay. And um, but a new front desk clerk um, gave the woman the wrong key, and when the gentleman arrived later, he could not find her. So she ended up committing suicide, and her spirit is still in the building, searching for the man she loves. This is what we have. This is what came from the parapsychologist. So it's pretty pretty wild. Yeah, stuff. that's pretty interesting. <laughs> So we've had we've had um, guests that have uh, told us about TVs going on and off. Um, I personally had guests come to me in the morning and said, "Well, my the towels in my room were shoved in my toilet when I woke up in the morning." And went <laughs> well, to the that's bathroom. pretty wild. I know. So uh, items disappearing and showing up in different parts of the room. Uh, one man left his boots by the door and awoke only to find them outside of his door. Um, strange noises of laughing children. Um, there was uh, stories of a faceless lady in Victorian dress, which could have been that woman that committed suicide, I suppose, uh, kind of disappearing into closed doors. Um, um, just doorknobs rattling, people screaming. Uh, a man was awakened by something at his bedside. He felt a presence staring at him and awoke seeing a kind of a dark silhouette leaning down over him, looking at him. Um, strange, strange stuff. And we actually even had a guest that could not get their thermostat in the room to move from 66.6 degrees. So, <laughs> it was stuck right at that number, huh? Yeah, I know. Uh, we've had a lot of orbs that people catch on camera in our lobby and foyer area. Um, so lots of stuff, even pianos being played with no piano on site um so yeah it's been um it's been interesting personally yeah anything happened to you personally there could be explanations for some of this but I, I try to keep an open mind um and the one experience i had was some years ago when our front desk person who works the overnight shift she would tell me that oh you know I go into the dining room in the morning to set up continental breakfast and the fans, the ceiling fans in the dining room were like on high speed going really fast. 
and there is no explanation because the actual kitchen staff does not come in until later. The kitchen is locked, it's padlocked, the lights are off, and the controls are inside the kitchen. So this was happening to her, and I'm kind of like, oh, well, yeah, okay, right. Right. You don't really <laughs> believe I it at first. I experienced it myself one time. I came in one morning early, I guess it was 6, 6.30 in the morning, and I saw it. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you believe it, now that it happened to you. No, I kind of believe. I, I can't figure out uh, what it could be. I, I really have no idea. So, yeah, so it's been, it's pretty pretty wild. And, um, you know, when when we started doing renovation on the upper floors, on the third and fourth floors, that's when we started getting a lot of more paranormal activity, like on the second floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we were conjuring up the spirits because we were doing a lot of work up there and they were moving around and so forth. That's what, you know, some people were saying. So I thought, okay, well, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I did hear in the past, more like when construction happens in a building or something like that, renovations, that's when the spirits sort of get conjured up, like you said. Yep, and that seemed to happen. That's when we had a ton of activity, and we still get it here and there, but it's not like every day, but... We get guests come down still, and it's like, whoa, what's going on here? This is my experience. And um, so we just kind of like, yep, well, it's not the first time we've heard that. Does it seem like there's more guests reporting the experiences or staff or a little bit of both? Probably more guests right now. Um, but I would have to, you know, talk to some of our staff, especially our overnight person, to sh- see what else she has uh uh, come up with, but overall, probably guests that that and and most of them really have no idea, or they have an idea of what rooms we've had uh, some activity in before, uh, but they are not staying in those rooms. So we're talking, you know, there's probably six or eight different rooms where we have uh, you know, we have noted that uh, there's been activity, and we've had ghost hunters in couple different times in fact we just had someone in a couple weeks ago and they have a little um i forget what they call it a little piece of equipment um that they use to Mm -hmm. catch um voices yeah audio recordings yeah and so they yeah they're kind of like is there if there's anyone in this room please state your name and we're all quiet and then it can pick up this stuff so uh we're uh you know we, we were told that uh um this particular person did pick up something, and we're waiting. Uh, we're waiting to hear about that. That was just about two weeks ago. Oh, so you're still waiting on the on the results? On the results, yeah. He's doing kind of like a whole thing for us, so it's uh, it's pretty neat. So it doesn't seem like there's one particular area in your property. It seems like it's sort of spread out throughout. Yeah, it's it's mostly I would say on the second and third floors. Uh, not too much on the first that I've heard. Um, and not too much on the fourth, uh, but mostly the second and third floor. So is the fourth floor your top floor? Yes. Okay. So it seems to be sorted in the middle of your building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For whatever reason. Now, do you have a lot of guests coming in special because they heard these ghost stories or any like special requests? Do they ask for a special haunted room when they're checking in? We've had that, yes. Occasionally, if if people are looking online and they see some of the stories, um, uh, they they may request a certain room. Um, but most people are kind of in in the dark, 
regarding that, and right. they'll get here. And, uh, you know, then we have something on the second floor in the lobby that uh, gives a description of some of the things that have happened, and uh, and uh, including, I guess, a room number. And so, you know, we, we've had, on a few occasions, uh, guests come down to the front desk and say, I can't stay here, you know. <laughs> because of that room they were in? <laughs> because that was the right, listed, right? Whatever, like haunted stuff, they, they, they just don't want to have any any parts of it. And others, most come in without any knowledge of anything, and they may or may not experience something. I know, I know myself anyway. I'm not, that's one of the first things I look up. I don't look up if the place is haunted. That might just be an after fact. Right, right, that's true. Okay, and... If someone was interested in coming to your hotel and staying in one of the Honda rooms, is that a thing that you would do for them? Sure. If depending on the availability, we have we certainly have a few rooms that have had a lot of activity, um, and someone can certainly call in and requ- request one of those rooms. And if it's available, we'd be more than happy to uh, to reserve the room for them. And if they were interested in staying at the Inn and Jim Thorpe, how would they in contact you, and what would be like the phone number and your website? Sure. Phone number, 800-329-2599, and that will uh, get you right to the front desk after you push zero for the operator. Um, they can also view our website at www.innjt.com and they can actually uh, make a reservation through our website also if they do not want to call in. But if they want a specific room, best thing to do is call us directly. Okay. I'd like to thank you for joining us on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you, Daniel. That was, uh, that was fun. Thank you for listening to the first episode of The Creepy Side of NEPA. Next week, we sit down with a member of the Lackawanna County Historical Society, digging into some of the creepier history in Scranton. We also sit down with the general manager of the Scranton Cultural Center, discussing a little of the creepier side of the property. Be sure to subscribe to the creepy side of NEPA. That way you will always be informed when a new podcast is available. Till then, thanks for listening. This has been the creepy side of NEPA. If you have a spooky story that took place in a northeastern or central PA, send it to ghost at WNEP.com for a chance to share it on an upcoming episode. We are dying to hear from you. <laughs>